Once a week, a group of Bloomington women gets together to knit. How long have you all been? Since Moses was a baby. <laughs> or knitting was invented, maybe. No, seriously, we have been knitting for together for at least five years, six years, maybe. Linda Boyle was the co-owner of a Bloomington yarn shop for many years. Some of us have known each other longer than that, but to actually come together and knit, you know, cooperatively, make it a point that we get together every week. It's been, yeah, five to six years. We're winnowed down to a group that is very um, connected, um, pretty invested in handmade items. Um, how else would you describe us? Getting older. Yes. Actually, <laughs> no, we're ripening nicely together. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Carrie Conway is the executive director of the Area 10 Agency on Aging. We've been hanging out for years, actually, and knitting at least two hours a week together. And, um, and then we meet up for some social things periodically. We're all women of a certain age. Um, some of us are married, some of us are in partnerships, some of us are not. Um, but the knitting is something that we feel that just has, you know, created a balance in our lives. Most of us have jobs or had jobs that were relatively high pressure jobs. And I think having this productive thing for your hands to do just feels wonderful. These are women who like to get things done. They're all pretty engaged in the community. Valerie Merriam directs a local food pantry and serves on the public library board. With engagement like that comes meetings. She remembers some doozies. Very long board meetings of the community action program. And I would knit, and so would, so would Marge Faber. And we would refer to them as our, our cap sweaters. I knit at school board meetings, too. Donna Kincaid teaches fifth grade in a local public school and regularly attends meetings of the League of Women Voters. At the League meeting, there was at least five of us knitting. Knitting goes hand in hand with social and political engagement, it seems. Valerie got involved in activism as a Vassar woman in the 60s. And I mean, that was a time of protests and sit-ins, and we were there with our knitting needles. Taking up needles in protest is a time-honored tradition, Valerie suggests. I think of us as modern-day Madame Lafarge's. In the tale of two cities, she was the knitter, one of the leaders of the French resistance. The Bloomington knitters have their own cause célèbre. I mean, one year we did uh, hats and scarves for the homeless. Linda Boyle. And actually just tied them around uh, lampposts and wherever around Bloomington. And Carrie's involved in the Area 10 Agency, so... Uh, we try and find projects that help that group. The Area 10 serves the community's elderly population. Carrie goes on to remind Linda of another project the knitters did. Oh, oh yeah. Knockers. Yes, knitted. for the breast cancer. Yeah, That's exactly knitted knockers. Very tender spot, and so these very soft little cotton knitted things can go in place, and um, it's comfortable and it's knitted with love by hand, which is kind of one of the things you need if you're a breast cancer survivor. So we make them in all different sizes and colors as well, so they're kind of fun. Clearly, these knitters have a penchant for projects that are playful, socially conscious, and a little risque. Yeah, so, you know, it was a short, it was, you know, a pretty short ride from knitted knockers to pussy hats. You know, think about that for a minute. It wasn't hard. We'd already been halfway there, so what the heck. The knitting circle that Carrie, Linda, and Donna belong to 
has joined forces with many others in the community and across the country in the Pussy Hat Project. And there's a lot of, some controversy about who started it and where it started. It seems to have started on the West Coast from what I can understand. But for me, that's not the important part. The important part is that women are kind of joining together and doing this as a unification. It's a grassroots movement of women and men knitting pink hats to wear at or send to those participating in the Women's March on Washington, or one of the many satellite events on Saturday, January 21st. There's websites with the hat patterns. Last figures I saw on the Pussy Hat Project website was that the pattern had been downloaded 60,000 times. I myself have knitted 23. You know, it sounds like it's going viral. Knitter Faith Hawkins is a longtime activist. I, I hope it is as viral as we feel it is. If I read my Facebook pages correctly, there are probably quite a few hundred of us in town knitting. So a lot of people are knitting individually. They're not coming to groups, but I know that they're producing five and six or seven for friends or themselves going. Um, you know, so everybody's trying to be part of this, even some people that surprised me that I would have never guessed. Librarian Dana Duffy-Bax took the chance of broaching the topic with a coworker. I knew that she knitted, so I quietly said, I don't know what your political persuasions are, but <laughs> do you know about the Pussy Hat Project? And she said, oh yeah, I'm making a lot of them. So. <laughs> I think it's important to note that this is a bipartisan group across the country. Valerie Merriam. It is women joining together to take back their rights, to ensure their rights. It knows no party. The pattern distributed online is for a simple hat in fuchsia pink with pussycat ears that form at the corners. But the hats the Bloomington knitters are making are as diverse as the women making them and those who will be wearing them. This is sort of nice because it's a gradient. It starts with pink, but it sort of blends to a pink and gold combination. Um, I've done some with safety pins in them. I've done some with hearts. I've done some with very textured yarn. Carrie is creating designs for all tastes and sensibilities. We also have solidarity hats in pink for those who really don't like the P word. That's okay. This says resist and it's just a beanie, but it's pink. So the visual is still there. It's Carrie works with older women, and, and but it turns really out they is. aren't the only ones who don't like the P word. At first I was kind of repulsed by that word. <laughs> pussy. <laughs> I really Actress I Amira I, Sabah has also been knitting pussy hats. I hate it. I never use it. I kind of shrink when I hear other people use it. I felt the same way you did. It was like, I'm not using that P word. <laughs> Linda Boyle. And I feel like I'm a pretty liberal old lady, you know, but it was just ugh, off-putting. You know, I understand people are embarrassed. That's their background. I mean, my mother would die if she knew if I was saying this word in public. My mom is making a pussy hat. She's 82. Dana Duffy backs. You know, 25, 30 years ago, I don't think she would have been okay with the word. But I think, you know, seeing that women are fighting back, that's what she's more happy about than any word. Um, and so if young women are going to use the word and they're going to make a point, by God, she's going to follow right along with them. I was at a bar. I was knitting my hat. And someone looked over and said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, oh, it's a cat hat. And my friend who was with me nudged me and was like, use the term, say it. And I said, well, it's a pussy hat. And she, she had no problem with it at all. So, yeah, there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to offend anyone and I don't want to 
you know, be nasty. But um, if you don't want to use the word, don't use it. But the reason that the hat has the name, the reason that people are using the word is one to take the sting out of it. <laughs> it's an okay word, you know, it's, I'm taking it back just like um, African American kids have taken back the N word and my LGBTQ friends have taken back the queer word. When I talked to my daughter about it, I said, it's all right that you're offended by this word. And when it was used, it was not used in a context of respect. So you should be offended by it, but you got to do something with that. And we happen to have, thankfully, a whole cadre of symbols that we can use to fight back. And the word pussy is one of them. Language is everything in this movement, agrees Carrie Conway. Now, I don't know why they can't name their first house comfortably, but, you know, try to get a man to say uterus out loud sometime. It's so medieval. That's where that periods for Pence and tampons for Trump, they've kind of morphed into that on Facebook, has really started upping the game as far as language is concerned. If you're talking about women's health care, you need to use these terms. You know, the women's breast cancer movement, now we can say breast out loud. You know, we need to be able to say things like, you know, menstruation and vagina. We have to say all that stuff out loud if we're going to talk about women's health care. You can't use euphemisms. Speaking openly about women's bodies is just one form of expression these activists are using. Demonstrating in yarn is another way of using women's language to lead. You know, using the word pussy, using the color pink, using the craft knitting, which is a woman's, you know, viewed as a women's craft. I really think that one of the things that kind of happened when the women's movement started up in the 60s is we made concessions in terms of how we would live in a man's world. We started wearing suits. We took classes in how to be more manlike in meetings. We became men in heels in the boardroom. Women are different than men. We are different biologically, and we do things differently, and we act differently, and we approach situations differently. And we gave that up in the early days of the women's movement, and we are now taking that back. What we're saying is, yeah, we want to be pink, we want to be knitters, and we, you know, we are women. We don't have to act like you. You still need to listen to us, and we're going to use our language and our metaphors and our culture and be proud of it. And this demonstration in D.C. and the marches across the country are basically an opportunity for men to learn our language. If some parts of the media are uncomfortable talking about the pink pussy hats, and yet we're not uncomfortable talking about what is really much more offensive, which was Donald Trump's language and treatment of women, to me that would be very telling. Faith Hawkins. So I love claiming it as a positive thing and also being a little bit provocative to say you don't get to define us by that, but if, if you're going to be in our face about it, we're going to be in your face too. I mean, they are pussy hats. Get over it, you know? <laughs> as provocative as the Pussy Hat Project is, it also speaks in a more understated timbre that's a natural extension of the movement's origins in the knitting circle. While I've been interviewing the Pussy Hat makers, they've taken out their needles and are knitting away. Each time someone comments, her needles stop clacking. 
When you're counting stitches, it's hard to talk. When you're knitting, you have to listen. Think about that for a minute. If you notice, one of the reasons I like having a knitting group is because we do all sit around and you can listen. It's one of the reasons Donna Kincaid teaches knitting to her elementary students. We are much better listeners when we have something in our hands. And I use that in my classroom, too. Getting to know people, it doesn't take long in a knitting circle. I knit with a group. It's men and women, actually, and they're, I think the average age is probably 86. And it's a very interesting and diverse group. Um, and the one thing they all have in common is fiber arts of some kind or another. They're mostly knitters. One of the guys cross-stitches. There's a quilter in the group, you know. And we just all get together every Monday afternoon for about an hour. Um, and you talk about diversity of approach, of opinion, of taste, of class, of income level. It's amazing. And just to come together with that common bond and sort of see how that conversation goes and listen to it, you can learn a lot. Valerie Merriam has had the same experience knitting in a group. You realize that you're starting from commonality and then you're talking about differences. But the metaphor, Faith Hawkins suggests, does have its limits. Maybe knitting can bring us together, but I'm not, I'm not that naive. Um, I think that the differences and the, and the anger and the despair are probably going to take a long time. And, and, but, you know, a, a thousand-mile journey begins with a single step, so maybe we begin with a single stitch and, you know, hundreds of thousands of pussy, pussy caps. I don't know. I'd love to see that happen. For Cafe Indiana, I'm Yael Cassander.